Welcome to the Dewhawk Digest, the podcast for all things Loras College. In this episode, we will look ahead to the upcoming academic year and the impact the financial gifts have on students and their families in such times. I'm Robert Waterbury, Assistant Director of Campus Communications, and here to help us navigate the plans for the fall is President Jim Collins. Jim, welcome back to the Dewhawk Digest. Thanks, Robert. It's good to be with you and appreciate all you're doing to bring uh, news out to our Loris community. Yeah, it uh, seems like there's always more news, especially uh, this time with everything going around. There's always something different going on, happening uh, to share out. So That's true. Every day brings a little something different. <laughs> yeah. So the last time we chatted on the podcast, we were celebrating the, the class of 2020 and kind of the marking the end of the academic year amidst the pandemic. So things are going to look a little different this fall when students get back into the, into the classroom or however we move forward. So what can they expect once the academic year starts up? Well, they can expect that the faculty and staff are going to do everything uh, we can, as we have in the past, to ensure that they have a, a robust and uh, great educational experience. Um, more to the point, I know that students are looking forward to being back and engaging with their friends. Um, but we also want to make sure that the health and safety of our students, our faculty and staff reign supreme. So within that realm, um, we've made several decisions to make sure that we can have the best possible campus experience, even in the midst of the pandemic. Um, the first thing relates to the academic delivery. Um, our faculty and our academic administration came up with what I think is a very um, creative and sound and flexible um, academic delivery plan. We're calling it Loris Flex, whereby um, we'll reduce the number of students that can attend a particular class and in a classroom on any given day. Um, but for those students, uh, say on Monday, there might be 12 in the classroom. The other 13 will be in the residence hall or back at home, um, taking the very same course uh, remotely. And then that group that wasn't in the classroom on Monday will be in the classroom on Wednesday and their peers that were in the classroom on Monday will be back in the residence hall or back home. Um, for students and families who don't feel comfortable about coming back on campus, we've provided a completely online opportunity um, to date. Uh, the students who have registered for the fall, um, all but 50 plan to be back on campus. So that means that the Loris Flex um, hybrid program will be highly functional on campus and yet uh, quality oriented by way of remote. So that's probably one of the biggest things. I think the second is that in major uh, thoroughfares on campus, so think uh, the Athletic and Wellness Center, the Miller Academic Resource Center, the Alumni Campus Center and um, Kane Hall, Hoffman Hall, we will um, be staggering um, courses um, so that a nine o'clock class may start at 8.50, some others may start at nine, others will start at 9.10, and we'll be providing roughly 20 minutes in between class because that allows the density in hallways and in buildings and throughout the campus to be that much less at any one particular time. And in those major areas, we're going to be having um, um, 
kind of very technologically sophisticated uh, stations uh, whereby students' temperature checks uh, can be taken. And uh, we'll have that immediately downloaded to an app so that our health center can track uh, the health and safety of our students as they go about campus and our faculty and staff too. Um, and then we're also um, going to limit significantly on-campus events in particular that involves external visitors. So as much as we love to have external folks come to campus, um, we're going to try and really contain the campus operations to those of us who are taking courses or trying to deliver the educational experience for students. So the one exception we're going to make is um, for the class of 2020, we're going to go ahead with an in-person commencement. We're hoping to have it in the Rock Bowl so that it allows um, a larger number of family members to be able to attend, but it also provides a better um, health and safety um, framework from which to conduct that. So those are just a few of the many, many differences that uh, students can expect when they return to Loris this fall. Yeah, so there's a lot of, lot of moving pieces to, to coordinate and figure out. So what about everything that the so all these things that the college is doing to kind of ensure that you know students are here they're safe they're they're getting their education what is uh what's the college's investment to make sure that all of this is actually happening you know a, a lot of people are reading articles and scanning the internet and social media and saying that you know at the end of the day um students are receiving uh, a less costly education less effective education and therefore um, charges should be dropped. But the, the reality is that um, faculty are investing significant more hours in professional development, advising of students, interaction with students, because the efficiency of being um, in the classroom or in an office isn't as great today as what it was, say, six months ago, but the engagement with students remains the same. Just the same to provide um, alternative learning options, whether it's fully remote or hybrid, means the college has to invest a significant amount of money. So all of the faculty will be receiving tablets. Um, we're placing strategically cameras in each of the classrooms so that those who are remote or in the classroom are receiving access to the same in-classroom experience. Um, we've also invested in um, speaker and microphone systems so that whether you're in the classroom or experiencing the education remotely, you're able to um, hear well and also engage in the classroom conversation. So I would argue that um, the college's investment is significant financially and simultaneously it allows us to provide a very robust, uh, intrusive and very student-centric uh, education, even as much as we'd all love to just be on campus and fully in the classroom, et cetera. Um, I really applaud our faculty for their flexibility and their selflessness. Well, and, and you mentioned faculty, so faculty and staff kind of have a lot going on right now and then kind of behind the scenes that the students aren't going to be aware of. What are they, what is everybody kind of, what's being done on the, on the campus that the students and alumni kind of aren't aware of, but really will appreciate once they're here on campus? I think uh, from a faculty standpoint, I, I just yesterday experienced a demo and I happened to be the uh, student guinea pig and the rest of the administration were in the proverbial classroom uh, setting. But uh, Donna Heald, our Vice President for Academic Affairs and her team have been um, purchasing all this equipment and testing it. So we experienced a dry run yesterday. And so what the faculty have been doing are um, 
providing tutorials for one another as to how to use the latest technology, um, ways in which they can actually use a whiteboard quite effectively in the classroom and remotely um, to uh, show the, the various uh, pedagogies from various disciplines. Um, so there's a significant amount of professional development training that's going on for our faculty to make sure that both the in-classroom and remote experience is uh, quality oriented. So they're, they're spending a lot of time there. The staff, depending on what one's um, responsibility is, is also investing an awful lot of time. So if you think about our technology uh, team, they're in all of the classrooms, they've been implementing and installing all of the new equipment. Uh, our physical plant and custodial staff is working really hard to sanitize the campus and simultaneously um, develop the best um, delivery to keep the campus um, safe and clean. And then they've also been having to move an awful lot of furniture to retrofit classrooms so that they are appropriately socially distanced. Um, our engineering faculty, among others, are developing face shields um, so that every faculty member has a face shield to deliver his or her um, coursework. Um, we also have our student life staff that have been working really hard to make sure that our residence halls are safe, that the orientation delivery for our incoming and returning students is strong. Um, our health center is spending enormous amount of hours connecting with local healthcare officials and developing guidelines um, for students, faculty, and staff so as to um, maintain safety. Uh, you can imagine our human uh, resource department is working hard to make sure that the return to work um, guidelines for our faculty and staff are strong and well understood. Um, we have any number of our um, business office personnel that have been spending time researching the best of equipment, both PPE and technology, um, to get good prices to make sure that we can distribute face masks for students and faculty and staff when the fall begins. So there's an enormous amount of work being done by um, all of our faculty and staff um, during these summer months that usually provide a little bit of a respite, but to suggest that our uh, folks are getting the kind of downtime or vacation time that they so deserve and or need, um, unfortunately, isn't happening. Uh, it is definitely a, a busy summer, that's for sure. So when students return to campus, obviously there's, there's always concerns. What's, what issues kind of rise up to you that, that you see the, the biggest concern once, once everything kind of starts back up again in a couple of weeks? Well, it's always um, going to be under the, the guise of the pandemic, the health and safety of students, staff, and faculty. So I, I worry about um, uh, everyone making sure that they take on personal responsibility to ensure that we keep ourselves safe, but those around us safe. Um, it's easy as human beings to let down our guard after being quarantined for a long period of time or being isolated for a long period of time. Um, lots of us who are at Loris are naturally um, uh, huggy and emotional, and we like to spend close time with our, our friends and our colleagues, um, but we really have to um, stay the course in following the, the key protocols. And as much as I think we've done a good job in um, developing these guidelines for the campus, I think what it's going to take for staff, faculty, and students to remain safe is that those same sorts of disciplines are gonna to have to be exercised um, off campus or on the weekends or during the evenings. 
And uh, this is where I think our Catholic mission and our responsibility as a community comes into play. And that is as much as I'd like to have a little bit more independence or a little bit more autonomy, it's really important to think about those around us, those with whom we will be interacting on a particular day or in the coming days, um, that it's about being as selfless and as conscientious as possible. So I think that's going to be the, the biggest concern that we have to overcome is making sure that all of us are equally responsibility for our behavior so as to not adversely impact the other. And uh, I'm really confident that the largesse of our community is going to work really hard to do just that. Yeah, and I think all the, having all these guidelines and different protocols in place are going to help help keep make sure that everybody's safe and doing what we're supposed to be doing. I, I agree, Robert. So, um, so everybody's kind of running into issues with the pandemic. And one of the things that keeps cropping up for us with current, both current students and uh, prospective students is that students and families are impacted financially by this. And yes, it, in some cases, their ability to come to Loris is at risk. So in response to that, our, our Board of Regents has really stepped up and they've created an emergency relief fund. What can you tell me about that? Well, we had a number of um, board committee meetings in late April and in early May, and then we had a full board meeting in early May. And of course, that was in the early weeks of the um, pandemic outbreak. And we were already hearing from um, current and incoming students that uh, families were being significantly impacted. And it ranged from students not being able to access an internship or students not being able to access summer work because of the uh, state of the economy. Um, Many parents were either being furloughed or being unemployed or in some cases losing their jobs. And as much as that was a reality in April and May, we've learned over the more recent weeks that that continues to be an ongoing and growing um, challenge. So our board um, had a discussion saying that uh, it's very clear that unless we meet the additional financial needs of our families, um, many students are going to face the, the difficult decision of perhaps not coming to Loris or coming back to Loris because of the financial challenge, and the board didn't want that to happen. So thankfully, a longtime benefactor and board member, Paul Breitbach, and his wife, Fran, were generous in offering a challenge um, grant gift of $250,000 with the hope that the rest of the board would come up with an additional $250,000. And... Uh, It's inspiring to to share that uh, 100% of the board participated. Uh, Collectively, they raised a little over a half a million dollars. And uh, we've been in the midst of collecting student testimonials and family testimonials as to what the distribution of those funds have meant to them. And uh, it's really heartwarming to know how many students, because of this fund that was generated, are now able to come back to Loris or come to Loris for the first time. And then we uh, shortly thereafter began talking to a few um, former board members, uh, Regents Emeriti, and uh, raised a little over $150,000 more. So we're, we're continuing our effort to raise funds, but uh, thanks to the board and the Emeriti today, we've raised a little over $650,000 and have impacted a lot of our students. So uh, it's a great point of pride for Loris. Absolutely. And well, and speaking of funds, Loris is just announcing that we have a new $500,000 challenge gift from an anonymous donor. 
and in order to provide additional financial aid for students uh, in, in the greatest need. So, and this is a dollar for dollar match to every new and increased gift of any size from previous fiscal years. So what makes this type of support so important right now? Well, let me begin by saying that uh, I, I um, found out that my theory isn't always right. I always tell my fundraising colleagues and myself that you can't raise money from behind a desk. But uh, I was sitting at my desk on a, a Monday in recent weeks and uh, had a call from a, a benefactor who said uh, he recognized that these must be very to be a private college. And he really believes in the mission of Loris and wanted to make sure that we continue to be successful, uh, especially in the short term as we navigate the pandemic. And so he offered that uh, he and his wife would be willing to make an anonymous $500,000 challenge gift. So maybe I'd have to sit behind my desk a little bit more often and uh, wait for the proverbial phone call. But it was a, a great shot in the arm for Loris and a terribly selfless and generous act from uh, these benefactors. But having this additional set of funds and now uh, inviting our alumni and friends to um, match it will again um, serve our students short term and long term in a way that is unimagin unimaginable. And as I earlier stated, Robert, um, the costs of retrofitting the campus to address um, the safety and health and wellness of our community is critical. So some of these funds will also be able to help um, uh, purchase and fund some of those necessary components. So it's um, something for which uh, on behalf of all of Loris, I'm grateful to uh, our marvelous benefactors because without them, it would be even more difficult to navigate the pandemic. Well, and, and the size of that gift is significant, but uh, anybody giving any size gift actually makes a makes an impact. So even a small gift, how does that make such a difference to Loris College? Well, you know, it's like the Mother Teresa line that, uh, you know, sometimes we wonder how we can contribute to the ocean, but the ocean is uh, made up of a lot of small drops. And uh, I think that's true when it comes to um, receiving support from alumni and friends of the college, it's not so much the size of the gift, it's the gift because coupled with hundreds of other gifts, um, it's a sizable amount of money for which we are able to then support our students. Um, I think the other important thing is um, for all of us who attended Loris, um, regardless of what our economic status was, um, no one of us paid the full price to attend Loris, that uh, there was some unknown individual or group of individuals, many of whom were alumni, that contributed in such a way that helped defray the cost. And therefore, I think it's a moral obligation for all of us who are alumni, young or old, wealthy or modest in our means, um, to give back because um, we want to continue to demonstrate to our students that we not only want to support them now, but we're also going to need their support once they graduate to make sure that generations from here on in benefit in the same way that those of us of previous generations and the current generation continue to benefit. So I invite all of our alumni and friends to um, consider making a gift and demonstrating both our moral responsibility, but also our deep love for Loris and in particular to ensure that our students um, continue to have access to a great Loris education. Yeah, and to, for Loris to be able to continue to provide a, a value-based values -based education, and it's hugely important, especially in today's society, so that students can go out in the world and, and make a difference uh, with so much uncertainty around us. 
I think that's exactly right. You know, one of the things that um, I really believe that as you watch what's happening in the world and in our nation play out, that regardless of politics or regardless of religion, we're really finding out the lack of strong interdisciplinary and liberal arts education foundations that individuals have that um, to the extent that we have strong um, knowledge in the sciences, strong knowledge in history, strong knowledge in sociology, um, psychology, to say nothing of finance, um, but all of that um, is only good enough to the extent that you're able to understand the interrelation of science and religion or the interrelation between history and psychology. And a place like Laura's brings these disciplines together whereby you not only gain expertise in one discipline, but you're able to navigate and see how there's a great interplay and the extent to which you understand the interplay is the extent to which you critically think better and the extent to which you critically think better is the extent to which you make better decisions. And I think what we're finding is that the world needs more Duhawks because Loris uh, graduates are able to pull together these fundamentals in a seismic way to make a difference in the world. And I would argue that um, our unique distinction comes from our Catholic charism and the ability to apply ethics and um, moral uh, undergirding and strong philosophical framework so that at the end of the day, making a decision not only draws upon expertise, but it also draws upon what is uh, good and holy and righteous and moral um, because ultimately, if we fail in ethics, we fail in life. So sorry for the soapbox, Robert, but I thought uh, I'd at least close there. No, this is, that's, this is the form for it, that's for sure. But uh, I did want to add, too, that uh, any gift given at this point is, has the, the impact is, is significant because there, we made the decision to not raise tuition for this coming academic year. What was the thought process behind that? Well, I like to think that we were um, kind of ahead of the game and pioneers in that regard, but uh, the administration presented to the board in October of uh, 2019 that we knew it was getting more difficult um, societally and certainly for students coming to Loris to afford uh, the price. And even though we're very generous in our financial aid distribution, we wanted to um, try and demonstrate to families that we were sensitive to the overall cost of attendance. So. It was at the October of 2019 board meeting that we made the decision not to increase tuition for the 2020-2021 academic year. And um, I think it served to be profound. So not only did we not raise the cost, we're actually distributing greater financial aid. And in large measure, that's because of the generosity of the very benefactors that we talked about earlier. Absolutely. Well, President Jim Collins, thank you so much for joining me and providing both campus updates and kind of taking a little look at the impact that uh, gifts make to, to Loris College and to the students. Well, thank you, Robert, for the opportunity. And again, thanks for all you do with the Loris Daily. I heard great things from alumni, campus community members, parents, and uh, friends of the college that uh, receiving the daily update is a great way to stay connected with the college and for all of us to continue to be proud. So thanks for your good work. Well, anything we could do to share out uh, all the news and the great things that uh, the students and the faculty and staff do here at Loris. So. Well said. Well, and thank you to all who listened in to our discussion. If you want to make a gift to support students, visit alumni.loris.edu slash giving to give your gift. 
Also, be sure to visit Dolores Daily at daily.loris.edu to get daily updates on news, features, and podcasts from across Loris, including spotlights on students who have been positively impacted by your financial support. We hope you'll join us for the next Dewhawk Digest. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other, and go Dewhawks. Hawks.